Lead Time is a podcast of the Unite Leadership Collective, hosted by Tim Allman and Jack Kalliberg. Lead Time taps into biblical wisdom for practical solutions to today's burning issues. Each podcast confronts real-time struggles facing the local church in a post-Christian culture. Step into the action with the ULC at uniteleadership.org. This is Lead Time. Welcome to Lead Time, everyone. I'm Jack Kalberg. I'm here with Tim Allman. We're with the Unite Leadership Collective. Uh, Today is part five of our five-part series about the church engagement model. Today, we are talking about multiply and specifically about um, creating new leaders in the church who are doing the work of raising up other disciples. So growing leaders who grow leaders. Uh, Before we begin, quick announcement. Um, If you enjoy the content that we're providing, please subscribe to our podcast and to our newsletter. You can find that on uniteleadership.org. Also, uh, share uh, and like us on social media. And then we have a save the date coming up. We have a brand new accelerator uh, that is geared specifically to the first three steps of the church engagement model was attract, get, retain. So these are the externally facing parts of the church engagement model. And this is specifically geared towards people who are looking to grow the church by doing a better job reaching people in the community. Um, yeah, and it's just a one, yeah. it's just a, a two-day commitment, one-time two-day commitment. It's not a year-long commitment like our normal leadership development culture and systems and structure accelerator, which is awesome, by the way. But this is everything before we realized that a lot of leaders were saying, you know what? Um, I'm, I can't even think necessarily, you know, last episode, Simple Church, and like, we're just trying to stay alive. Like, we, we're, we've gone from 100 people, and we're at 50 people, financial stability, you got a lot of that. So we need, we need more people to come and hear and be a part of and to move from consumer to contributor. Um, but I, I'll just speak to the small church pastor right now. God bless you. You are loved. You are known. Jesus has wonderful things in store for you. And you're better together working with, with groups like us who have paid the dumb tax. This is one of my favorite, favorite comments from Matt Angle with, with glue. Um, there are others who have gone before you that could say, here's, here's what you can do. And here's a system to sustain that. And it does not matter. Do not make excuses like you're a small <laughs> church, like you can't take these good next steps uh, to because yeah. here's, here's the thing. I think small is in right now, but people got to know you're there. Yeah. People want to be known and discovered and invited into a approximate group like small is huge. And I think small is the future. At the very same time, there are certain um strategies that you need to learn to let people know, hey, we exist, as well as a membership who realize, yeah, we don't exist for ourselves. Like this is an entirely new day right now. So I hope a number of, of smaller churches, medium and large, but a number of you can join us just for this one-time commitment. That is November 14th through 15th and uh, sign up at uniteleadership.org. Wonderful. Yeah, don't be don't be the town's uh, best kept secret. Let everybody know about the secret of what a great Amen. church you are. <laughs> Um, so quick overview. We're now on part five of the engagement model and the five parts of the engagement model are attract, get, retain, disciple, grow, and then multiply. So we're in multiply and each one of these, um, parts of the engagement model, we're trying to think about engagement as we are giving people value in exchange for interaction with people. We're helping them take their next step and we're focusing on 
the thoughts that they have based on their maturity and their connection, their relational connection with the church. As people move through the engagement model, they are moving from consumer to contributor. And actually the key thought that a person has, the key question or desire that they have in this phase is I want to contribute. I want to be a contributor. So this is not everybody in the church. This is a smaller segment of people that have grown more in their faith and in their commitment uh, to the community, in their personal maturity. And, uh, you know, you're probably talking about uh, 20% of the population that's ready to be mobilized to serve and to, and to, and to lead. So um, we're going to talk through some of the key questions here that help kind of address what it looks like for the church to succeed in this model. We've got some key questions here. Do you have something to add, Tim, before we go? Yeah, yeah. So last week, if you didn't listen to Disciple, you heard us talk about Simple Church and you heard about worship and then small groups and service. What we're going to talk about right now is the off-ramp of service. So you're, you're going to start as a, a serve team member, but then you're going to grow from, from that point into, into leadership. So you got worship, small group, and then, and then uh, serving, yep. right, Jack? Absolutely. So what we're going to do is we're going to actually unpack some of the, uh, not all, we're going to unpack some of the practices that churches have, the best practices, if they are really, really, really excellent at internal leadership development. And let me just say something if your church isn't oriented towards that, if they don't see that as a goal, that's going to be a major problem. The The key way that the church grows in the future is not going to be based on the central institution, the central sort of, um, in, in our context, the seminaries will always be there, but we don't believe that's going to be the core thing that's growing the church. Um, is, is going to be the, the catalyst to grow the church. Leaders. It's going to be leaders raised up in the local context. So the local church has to be amazing or it's going to die, right? Um, Because it's just not going to be attractive enough to send somebody across the country to do a a residency program and just expect that that's going to be happening in high numbers. The local church actually has to nail the expertise of development at the local level so people can serve the local community. So let's get into this. this is kind of, yeah, yeah, let's get into it. But this is kind of a duh the the church right now is in a post-Christian secular day and age. Look at how the early church did it. Uh, they saw everything that they needed was right there in their community. No institutions Absolutely. were created. So you got to have that kind of a mindset as you head into multiply. Go ahead, Jack. Yeah, so let's take us into these four questions. Yeah. So the first thing we're going to be talking about is a development culture. And so the first question we're going to ask, and we're going to have you as a church leader, ask this question of yourself is, do you see, does your staff, um, the members of your staff see their primary job, keyword, primary job as developing leaders, right? This is now a countercultural shift. There's a lot of churches out there um, with small staff. There's a lot of churches with big staff. And whatever type of church you are, how do you see your job descriptions, Right. When you think about a job description, I'm going to pick on youth directors, right? Because that's a, a classic example, especially in our denominational context. DCE, Director of Christian Education. How do we traditionally think about that job, Tim? Why don't you talk about what is the traditional way that we look at that job? You're going to come and you're going to do uh, Sunday night ministry. You're going to be the one that is the 
rah-rah, fun guy or gal. Uh, kids are going to orbit pretty much around you, and we're going to teach you the respective skills of leading a Bible study and, and you know, doing some administrative things uh, to, to help kids grow in their faith. Right. You're a doer. So you're the superstar, and you're the doer, and everything is on you, and people are coming to youth group because you are the attractional, charismatic the person that's building relationship with people and speaking, you know— Christ into them. Mm-hmm. Those are great skills. I'm not dismissing any of those skills, but yeah. we have to take it another step further. We have to say that that person understands the best practices of that, but even above that, that they're a developer of people. They see themselves more about ministry development and people development so that other people can be equipped to do that role that we just talked about, right? So here's a, here's a mind shift. Instead of um, youth director, It's director of youth ministry development, which now says I'm curating all of the best practice for youth ministry, but I'm also developing people. I'm developing leaders who carry this out. I'm developing small group leaders. I'm developing other communicators that can get up there and teach. I'm I'm developing even people in youth that are capable of co-leading, right? So everything now shifts towards development And what that happens now is that creates a different level of scale that can exist for youth ministry. Something that was lidded out by you being the the doer has now, that lid has been raised dramatically. And you're developing leaders who are going to be future youth directors because you're giving them hands-on experience and you're letting them help take ownership for the implementation of ministry. Thoughts on that, Tim? Yeah, well, I think the excuse right now for a lot of pastors is that I don't really see myself as a leader. And if I do, I'm in a maybe a smaller, maybe um, a, a group that's elder led. They uh, and I've heard this just recently. I, mm-hmm. There's a couple case studies in recent conversations. They don't want me to lead like the elders or the board. Um, I'm. I'm ex officio. I'm outside. You just show up, dude, and you kind of do your do your thing on Sundays, word and sacrament thing. But leave the the leadership to us, and it's a it's a consistent power struggle. Yeah. So if the Unite Leadership Collective could come and make a case regarding a governance change and or uh, pastors viewing themselves culture not just change. as a doer but as a culture changer, um, a leadership development. You know, as as you see me do, so I'm inviting other people. We would love to have that conversation, yeah. Um, because I think there's uh, too many pastors are too passive, and then they, or, or others are maybe more aggressive, and they're feeling kind of kind of stuck right now. So again, we would love to help in this conversation um, because at the end of the day, with a small church, that there's a power struggle right now. You got to ask the question: Is this getting results? And what is the future of the church? Yep. If the average age is is sixty five and we're not seeing pastor as a as a leader, it's just the the future is pretty dark. Uh, so yeah, so here's, humble yourself, pastor and and lay leader. Go so ahead. here's my question to that elder or board member or council member that says we are the ones that are in charge. We're the ones that execute leadership. The pastor's ex officio. He just serves. Great. What are you doing to multiply disciples? What are exactly. you doing to develop future leaders? How are you doing that? Or are you going to right. be giving that authority and responsibility to the pastor? That's my absolutely. That's my so, question. <laughs> that's it's a great it's a great point. Are our elder teams actually inviting people 
Our elder team's growing. Yeah. Our, are they our creating leaders teams, who make leaders, right? <laughs> exactly. Our, is new ministry uh, starting out of that elder elder team? So if you're like, I'm the only paid staff, I'm the pastor here. You don't need to pay people to come alongside to move from contributor to uh, from consumer to contributor. Just build a team, and then you all kind of see each other. Our, our primary goal here is is not just doing, but developing. Talk about the fifty fifty rule, Jack. Um, this is a good yeah. paradigm, it's, I think, it, at this it point. It ties yeah. into it. So, kind of parallel to that is when we think about staff development. So, if leadership development is the job, right? then what that should mean is that a supervisor, when they're meeting with a report, staff report, is doing a performance review, and they and we, we call this the 50-50 performance review. 50% of the evaluation is results, ministry results. And so, again, picking on the DCE, you know, this is, hey, what is the participation in youth group, and how vibrant is people coming in? Are they speaking highly about it? Is it got the it factor? And all, all these kind of great things that you would hope to see in a, in a youth ministry. That's half of the evaluation. The other half is, okay, tell me about the leaders that you've developed and how you're empowering them to do this work, right? So a person could be a rock star in one and a dud mm-hmm. in the other. And when you think about blending their score, now the score becomes very mediocre in what they do. They may be thinking to themselves, no, I'm a rock star. And now you brought (laughs) truth to them saying, no, there's tremendous growth opportunities here for you. And we've just made it clear in the process of evaluation. Now let's start setting some goals. Let's start setting some objectives for the next six months to a year on how we're going to change that with leadership development. And that's what we call the 50-50 rule, people and process, leadership development and ministry results. I love it. I love it. First question, do staff members and maybe non-paid members of your team see their primary job as leadership development? Next question is, does the church have a well-defined leadership development pathway? Does, do you have a well-defined leadership development pathway? Speak to that, Jack. Yeah, so the well-defined leadership pathway means that you've created levels of leadership that a person can go through that starts at the, at the I don't want to say bottom, but it starts at the lowest level of commitment, which is typically serving or participating in something. And then it moves from leading to being a type of a leader of leader to being somebody that oversees an entire ministry department. And then even to leading a campus or the entire church or even multiple churches that you can actually articulate what that pathway is and that any layperson, if they commit themselves to that process can actually visualize themselves saying, Oh, I can go step one to step two to step three to step four. And now I'm serving in this executive ministry role. And that's actually accessible to me, right? Mm -hmm. Because you've made a clear articulation of that. So some of the key things is you want to try and use the same description for that level of responsibility across all different ministries. And um, so we've we've had that like in the Christ Greenfield context where we said, yeah, a small group leader is a shepherd, but over here they're serving their team leaders. Like, no, you have to use the same language. It's leader, right? So what we've done and what you see is a best practice for most churches is there's usually a minimum of four levels. You can go three to seven, depending on You know, if you're a ginormous church, you might have seven levels of leadership. But there's typically four common ones that are talked about. It's the the team or group member or participant. That's number one. Number two, then, is a leader of a group. They may be a small group. It may be a youth group. It may be Sunday school, teaching Sunday school. It may be, uh, what would be some other examples? Those are probably all of it. But 
you're overseeing probably 10 to a dozen people, right? And you're now taking responsibility for sort of the results and the development of those people. Yeah, That's common. Most people, most churches have got that in their head. Like, yeah, there's volunteer leaders. Here's the part that gets uh, tricky for most churches, especially in our denomination. They don't have this at all. What we call the coach. So serve, lead, coach. A coach is a volunteer leader of leaders. So as a as a volunteer servant, they've already shown experience and maturity as a leader, and they're pouring now into raising up and developing other volunteer leaders underneath the fourth level, which is a director. Now, anything to add to coaching before we get into director, Tim? No, yeah. Finish directing, then I'll, I'll close so then, this question. Yeah. Imagine a dotted line that exists. This is the most common way to think about it. There's a dotted line that exists. And for certain people that are fantastic fantastic at coaches, you want to move them into paid staff vocational roles. Now, sometimes it's volunteer, but this would really be kind of the most common dotted line of moving from volunteer to paid. And this is the director. So the director oversees multiple coaches who oversee multiple team leaders who oversee multiple teams, right? Or groups. Yep. And yep. that's the level of leadership performance that you want to be hiring for. You don't want to hire somebody with a director title unless they're capable of raising up and leading at that level. That should be a filter in your mind when you think about hiring. Go ahead, Tim. So this is where most churches, I think, uh, and I have failed epically. Yep. You hire leaders to work with serve team members to do respective tasks. You don't necessarily, this is what happens when you don't raise up from within. Um, you don't necessarily elevate folks from serve, lead, coach, all the way to director, a, a leader of, of leaders um, uh, and multiple teams of, of leaders. That's what a director role, right. whether it's a ministry role like a DCE or maybe it's a, a business manager role or moving into an executive director role, more of the systems and structures of a church. Uh, yeah, we need to create that upward draft. Now, here's here's one of the arguments against this sort of a pathway. Isn't this hierarchical? Mm -hmm. You know, um, you're creating all this structure and levels so that people can grow. And are, aren't a lot of these directors and then, you know, future pastors and whatever, aren't they going to be leading out of pride? Here's the thing. If you, if you have this chart in place and we've been very intentional at Christ Greenfield, the top of the chart is serve team member. The bottom is director. And so as you think you move up in leadership, no, nah, you're not moving up. You're moving down. Right. You're, you're here to equip, to inspire, uh, to love and to challenge, but to invite other people to do as they've seen, they've seen you do. So it's a downward trajectory of, of leadership, not an upward mobility. And this is where the heart, the character of the leader has to be assessed at every single stage. Because if you, and we've had this, Jack, if you have this, kind of mindset. Like, I, I really think I'm entitled to kind of grow, but you don't want to go through the journey of serve, lead, coach, direct, and and kind of come underneath the training of those who have gone before you. Like, that says a lot about your character. And, and in our in our community, you're, you're not going to be in a director role right. uh, because there's a journey uh, that needs to take place specifically around character development and, and having the heart and, humil heart and humility of Christ. Yeah. Ministry usually goes, one of the primary ways that we see ministry go south is when a leader's competency exceeds their character. <laughs> right? That's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe. So there's like, they've got incredible talents, but the character has not been developed 
to match those talents. And so that's when you see all like that's when you see the tower fall in a lot of cases with with ministry. We want to make sure these two things are growing together, that competency and character are growing at the same rate. So that's the other thing, too, is in a, in a defined leadership structure, you're doing a great job defining character and competency at every level that your leadership team agrees on this. Like a leader should embody these things and be trained towards them. Same thing for a coach, same thing for a director, same thing for people in an executive role. Um, yeah, so that is the third question. Mm-hmm. First question is, uh, do leaders see their job as development? Do, does the church have a well-defined uh, servant leadership pathway? Again, that downward mobility as you're developing people. But then does the church uh, simply, concisely, at all of those respective levels of, of leadership, know what the characteristics and competencies are for their leaders yeah. as they continue to develop. We call this the 80% rule. And so um, when a person is properly onboarded and developed into a leader role, it actually means they are actually 80% equipped to serve in any ministry, in any ministry, because you've included certain things in there like discipleship making and I see in you conversations. I see in you an ability to serve in a particular way. Um, and, um, leading difficult conversations. And all of these things come together. And that means, hey, if you really embody this, you may be head of the ushers or the hospitality team, but you could actually easily transfer over to be a youth small group leader. And all of those skills, not all of them, but a large percentage of them, 80% transfer over. And then you're the other 20%, you're maybe learning just in the context of that ministry. Here's a, you know, here's a few things that youth leaders need to know. And it gets added to that. And that goes all the way up. Now, coaches become even more universal. Directors can become even more universal. There are uh, reasons that a person may need a specialized advanced degree in something. Like we definitely value the fact that uh, a a worship leader has a a music and performance related or worship related degree. And they have that specialty in it. But honestly, uh, if a director is developed really well, they could be temporarily put over in charge of worship. And they could exercise effective leadership over that ministry while, let's say, while you're trying to work on getting a vacancy. So at least from an administrative and leadership development level, they could do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So characteristics, competencies, the 80% rule, 20% is on the job training. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last question is, are staff vacancies, leadership vacancies filled by people who were raised from within the community to create that upward upward draft of, of leaders coming from everything we need is from within our house. Jack, speak Yeah, so what we want to see for a healthy leadership development church is they're actually hiring at least 85% of their vacancies are filled from people within the church. 15% outside is good. There is a cause to sometimes bring people in externally because having an external voice can sometimes add a lot of value There is a lot of tribalism that can occur in the church, and it's good to hear somebody that's outside of that tribalism. They can, you know, they're joining staff, but they're also consulting because this is what I've heard in my other context. So there's value to that. But generally speaking, the church that's doing the best job raising up leaders, 85% internal hires. And that includes, you know, future pastors, future directors. Um, And we don't even think that way. We don't really even think about the idea that the next pastor of the church is going to be somebody that's raised up internally. Our systems right now don't lend itself to that. They, (laughs) it's kind of a weird system where you send somebody away and they go somewhere 
and maybe you get them back and maybe you don't get them back. And so that's going to have to be something that really changes in the future if we're going to be really great um, as a denomination of raising up uh, local leaders. Um, this is just the beginning. There's a lot more to get into. Any thoughts first before we go into this about raising up people no, internal? It, yeah, I mean, if you'd like to join our next accelerator, the year-long experience, what we teach are the best practices in Grow to Multiply. One of our key partners as well is Mac Lake, and Mac does a really good job of helping you uh, identify your own characteristics and competencies as he kind of looks and uses a lot of the same language, serve lead coach yeah. direct uh, for you and your team. So a yeah. shout out to Mac Lake, M-A-C-L-A-K-E. Uh, just look them up on on Google. Yeah, final note on the raising from within. There's also something we call the upward draft, right? So here's, here's uh, boy, Mike Fletcher is a guy that we've uh, talked to several yeah. times. He's a, a, you know, they're a big man of church, this big multi-site um, church that's planting churches everywhere where there's a military base. And he's got this philosophy that before I send somebody over to plant another church, they have to raise up their replacement in their local serving area, or they will not have permission to go and start something new. They will not have permission to get promoted to the next level. And that is a hundred percent discipline that they enforce there. Think of, so this creates the upward draft. People in roles are always pulling somebody up, challenging somebody in a, in a, in a team below them, challenging them to be able to step up and raise their lid so that they can raise their lid and go do something else. Right. So and here's the thing, too. Like, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. I think a lot of times we get overwhelmed thinking, oh, my gosh, everybody's going to not everybody's going to do this. Yeah. Like you're going to start with 20 percent. And then by the time you get to director level, you have seen the characteristics and competencies they and the desire that they contain and the recognition of the appropriate gifts, the characteristics that have grown. And so once you get to the very I mean this is like 1%, less than 1% sometimes once we get to director of the entire church, right, Jack? I Absolutely. mean, this isn't this isn't rocket science. This is, uh, um, yeah, just the way the church naturally grows. But it's not, not everybody's going to go on, on this sort of a journey. But you need to have no way and no one, that's that's no way. Don't do that. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so this is fun, Jack. Thank yeah. you. So this is just the beginning. If you really want to go deep, like you said before, we've got the um, the a very intense accelerator program that runs a year. It's multiple sessions throughout the year where we go deep. It's heavy, heavy challenge. It's a lot of you go into a cohort and you, it's a lot of peer learning with other church teams, leadership teams. Um, and so this is a, a, a fantastic opportunity. There is a lot more to share about leadership development than what we can do in this 20, you know, 20 minute ish podcast. We just scratched the surface of, of some of the things that need to be evaluated and changed and improved in the local church. And if you do join us for one of these accelerators, you'll hear deeper teaching on this application of this. We'll bring in subject matter experts on these things. And it's just a fantastic time of learning and transformation. It helped us grow tremendously when we experienced this originally with a leadership network. And we're hoping to give that away to churches that are similar to our, our context and contextualize it for the, the local Lutheran churches. Amen. Good job, Jack. Thanks. Yeah. Is that it? Do I need to give an <laughs> You've been listening to Lead Time, a podcast of the Unite Leadership Collective. The ULC consults and brings together cohorts of congregations to build the culture, systems, and structures of intentional discipleship multiplication. 
To go deeper with us, create a free login on uniteleadership.org for access to exclusive materials and resources. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for next week's episode.